Hey there, podcast listener. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where each and every week, the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader and investor. For more information, products, services, and detailed show notes, including a transcript for this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the news and media tab in the navigation. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Doug Hill. I'm the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. And today's podcast, I actually wanted to revisit the ASX um, shareholder survey. It was I did a, a podcast only, I don't know, a month or two months ago, and I said I'd probably use the report to do a couple more podcasts. So I thought I'd do, revisit that today just to give you some more insights into it. Again, this is available for free on the ASX website, so you might like to... Um, you know, if you go onto their website and go into the search and ask for it, you can download the PDF of it. It's quite um, intensive, or not sorry, extensive is probably the better word. Probably was intensive putting it together, but it's, it covers a whole range of things from direct investing to non-direct investing, meaning investing in shares through managed funds or other indirect means. It covers a whole lot of why people invest, um, why they don't invest, you know, where they get their information from, do they use brokers what type of brokers do they use and there's a whole range of different things today i'm going to talk about a couple of things is like where one of the questions is why not use a broker or advisor um, on one of the sections here and it goes in to break up the um, people or their beliefs about brokers or or what they're thinking about brokers and uh, one of the I'll, i'll read all of the different answers to their questions but 48 percent of people or respondents said um, when why not use a broker or advisor, it's, I think they're too expensive. And so when they're talking about advisors, they're talking about pretty much, I would say, financial planners or people from that side of things or investment managers. And obviously brokers are, would be stockbrokers. So nearly one in two people are thinking they're too expensive. Um, and that's quite interesting to me because one of the things I, I often get a question from from people when it comes to the share market is, oh, you know, uh, when they're when they're brand new or they're trying to get into the market, and I go, look, just go and find a, a good broker and work with them. And they go, yeah, but brokers are too expensive. I can pay whatever it is, nineteen dollars, fifteen dollars online with Comsec or whoever it is, and you know, a broker's going to pay me, charge me fifty dollars or sixty dollars. And I went, and I, and in my own mind, I'm going, who cares? If you're getting better advice, it's not about how much money it costs you; it's how much money you don't make. Or you lose so that if you've got a good advice broker and for example let's say the average the average um, trade if you want to call it for people um, in this survey it's about eleven thousand dollars people place on average into buying a share um, every each and every time so if you're buying a share and it's eleven thousand dollars a position sizing now if you make ten percent that's a thousand odd dollars roughly eleven hundred dollars if you've got a good advice broker and they help you do that seven or eight times out of ten, that's pretty good in terms of if they're doing that for $50 a trade, that's pretty good. But if you're on your own and you're paying $15 trying to save some money there and you're only getting it right 50% of the time, it's a, it's it's one of those things. It's What do they call it? It's, um, oh, it's not an oxymoron, but it's like um, fool. you're fooling yourself if you're getting... A, a better just because you're paying less in brokerage that you're doing better and to me it's not about how much it costs it's the value of the service that you're actually getting 
and some there are some really really good brokers out there helping people make really good money and paying them fifty dollars or hundred dollars a trade for them to help you make more money that's not silly that's actually quite smart and some people actually realize that and that's why they do use brokers I'm not suggesting all brokers are like that because some brokers aren't that good they're more about transactions and turning over transactions and not really about making the client money but there are some awesome brokers out there and i do know some um, there's not too many it's like in any in the industry the top 10 percent are the best um, and then everybody else comes in behind that but don't ever think that a broker is too expensive or an advisor is too expensive in, on the surface of it and, and we always as individuals we value things in terms of time and money and there are two biggest excuses that we ever make and people say that about our, our deployment of share trading course you know oh it's expensive and I don't have enough time well they to me they're their excuses and the the why what I talk to people about in terms of what an excuse is an excuse is a lie covered with a skin of reason so people throw out time and money easily as an excuse to not do something whereas they know intrinsically that they need to do something um, but they don't do it and people say to us well you know your course is expensive and I go well compared to what and there is no comparison they're just saying well I don't want to pay money to get educated so I can learn to make money and to me that's just I don't understand that sort of logic because if we share with you how you can make a hundred thousand dollars then paying us ten thousand or twenty thousand is, is is not a big deal or even thirty thousand is not a big deal if we show you how to make a hundred thousand dollars every year it's that's pretty cheap because you've got that for life but people don't look at it that way they go well you're, you're charging me X it's what are you getting for that X and that's the important thing I want to um, share with you so it's not about how much money it is it's it's obviously the value that you get so 48% said that brokers and advisors were too expensive okay 40% of them said I believe I'm too small to warrant their full attention interesting uh, that's probably got more validity in my book in terms of yeah, a lot of brokers you know it's about time and money in terms of yes they get paid if you transact that's how they get paid so advisors are a little bit different in terms of financial planners they would may get trials and commissions on what they're managing maybe administration fees uh, management fees in terms of um, being paid to manage a portfolio those sorts of things so to me it's you know if, unless you've got a reasonable size account it may not be worth their time managing that i understand that um, but it doesn't mean as a smaller investor that you won't you know, so you, there's a there's a Paul Kelly song and I'm, you probably heard it and I'm, I'm pretty sure pretty much most people would have heard it but it was it, it's from little things big things grow there's a lot of advisors out there that understand that you need to cultivate a great relationship with the client and then over time you build their wealth and and, and both of you win and to me there's a lot of people out there for that um, don't think because you're not a big investor but then it's also perception is is well, how small is small you know is a hundred thousand small is ten thousand small is there a five hundred thousand small everybody's got their own definition it pays to ask the questions though from the advisors 39 percent of people said they have no need for additional advice just want a trading platform um, and that in itself tells me there's a lot of people living in a false reality um, when you compare it to some of the other statistics they've got in this report is often people overestimate their knowledge and their competence um, and it's huge in the share market and when we're talking about 40% of people nearly half of the people saying they don't need additional advice and yet the statistics prove that most people get it wrong 
38% of people say, I prefer to be in direct control of my trades. That's great, don't have a problem with that, but that also goes with the other one. Uh, or the one previously being they don't need additional advice. 37% said, I'm not sure what value they add beyond doing a transaction on my behalf. So we're still pretty high with the percentages, 38% of why not use a broker advisor. So interesting, 34% I've said prefer to rely on my own research. Interesting, that one too is what kind of research is that? And, and my experience with a lot of investors um, and traders or would-be traders is there's some really strange places they get research from and uh, not necessarily solid places that they get it from as well. 33% say, I do not think they are independent enough in their buy-sell recommendations. That's one thing I actually agree with because a lot of advisors um, out there are linked to deal. I mean, obviously they would have a dealer group. Um, a lot of them do, but they also linked, there's a lot of advisors linked to um, the big four banks, pretty much about, eight, I think it's about 80% of money going through platforms. So uh, there's a lot of platforms out there like Navigator or, um, you know, BT platforms, Macquarie Wraps, all those sorts of platforms. 80% of money going through platforms is with dealer, with owned by the big four plus AMP. So that's, so where's the independence? And so I would agree with all of that. So being independent, to me is obviously not being reliant on um, the product provider. Um, some of the brokers are uh, would be independent. I mean, there'd be quite a few stockbrokers that would be independent. But again, that, that's also getting down to the fact of, well, who pays their wages in theory. Now, a lot of the big, some of the really big broking houses are linked in with the banks, that sort of stuff, and or the financial planning industry. Like if you've got a big managed fund, that's trading hundreds of millions of dollars with you, then you're going to look after them better than somebody with a million dollars or hundred thousand dollars, aren't you? So you're going to get that. But so therefore, to me, it's about a balance between having a good broker, but also doing your own research and having your own knowledge. And it's not good enough to be sort of sticking your head in the sand. Uh, and that's really where I think that independence comes from. It's okay to use an advisor as long as you understand what the advisor is actually doing. Now, 17% said they've not yet explored the cost benefit to trade or the cost or the, the cost of trading versus the benefit of trading. Um, not sure why people would say that, but obviously that would mean that they're not probably not necessarily interested in actually trading uh, the market. 17% said, I find them a bit intimidating for a retail investor like myself. I find that one interesting because the advisor's there to help you, but I do also understand that it's like uh, we sometimes put advisors up on pedestals and say, well, they're wise and wonderful and they're highly educated at what we do and sometimes people feel intimidated by that uh, in terms of thinking well hey i only did you know year 10 at school and you know um you know a gardener or a you know a garbo or you know a cleaner or whatever it is and i'm not saying that to undermine anybody's job i'm just saying some people put advisors up on pedestals that they don't really need to be on. Um, so I can understand people being a little bit intimidated by going to see them and maybe not thinking or thinking they may not understand what the advice is talking about. 12% also say they're not sure what is available and then 11% said I, I have alternative access to relevant share market information. I'm not sure what they mean by alternative access to share market information but then that's sort of pretty similar to you know doing your own ideas and doing your own research 
Um, the, inter- the interesting thing is a few things um, in terms of people getting their information or where they seek their information, but pretty much investors, they, they're really taking a really fragmented approach to how they get all their information and how they make the decisions about buying and selling. And often I ask somebody, um, a new investor or a new trader or somebody investigating things like our courses uh, and so I was saying, well, how do you, you know, how do you trade? Or, and they go, ComSec. And I go, no, no, how do you come to that point of placing that trade? So how do you make your decision? And I, I, the, the, re- the responses I get from people are so varied it is not funny and everything from you know, you're almost flipping a coin to you know you know reading a crystal ball you know tarot cards or something like that right through to researching dozens of websites and reading a whole heap of stuff but the report goes into a few different things and of direct investors and they classify them into direct and non-direct investors so direct are people that buy and sell directly into the share market themselves and non-direct would go through things like a fund manager or manage funds and that sort of stuff so we'll talk about just direct and for specific i'll just quote directly out of the report here it says for specific decision making websites including social media were most likely source to be used how's that so now i'll say that again for specific decision making websites including social media were the most likely source to be used. 37% of direct investors use the internet when making a buy, sell or hold decision on a company or any other investment in the share market with print media, the second most popular, 29%. Now, I'm not sure about you, but social media is not where I get my investment advice because pretty much there's a lot of stuff in social media that's wrong um, or misleading, incorrect, incorrect. whole range of different things because the interesting thing when people get behind keyboards with funny different stupid usernames that they push out whatever they feel like pushing out to mislead people Um, they can try and ramp stocks you know chat forums and me don't have a very good relationship because i think a lot of chat forums are full of that sort of stuff people with self-interest who don't necessarily aren't thinking about the people at the other side of those Um, and so chat forums are the worst place to get your financial education they're also the worst place to get your your investment advice from because the people on you don't you can't qualify the people on the other end and so if you're getting decisioned or you're making decisions based on what you're seeing in social media and on websites then you know you need to be really really careful about it because you need to be able to do two things one is qualify and the other one's quantify what's being said and if you don't have the the knowledge to be able to do that yourself or experience then you need to find somebody that has that you can qualify and quantify their knowledge and experience so if i'm talking about a stock well how do you know that i know what i'm talking about if i'm just this faceless name or sorry not this faceless or this faceless name on a chat forum so i could be calling myself a one trader and you wouldn't have a clue who i am what my knowledge and experience are but you're making a decision based on that. Whereas as a fund manager here at Wealth Within, you know who I am, you know our team here, you can qualify and quantify who we are. You can also qualify and quantify our track record, you know, how long we've been around. And you've also got somebody to interact with that you can then check things. Whereas internet and especially social media, worst place to go. But even in the the newspapers, now newspapers do print out a lot of good information, but you've got to look at where that comes from too is a lot of the information on newspapers comes from the big industry. Or well, the big in a town who don't want you to manage your, your money. 
So therefore, they're not going to give you the good stuff. If um, AMP or Macquarie Bank are selling down a stock, they're not going to put out news that everybody should be buy, uh, should be selling that stock. They should be they'll be putting out information to tell people to buy that uh, rather than sell it. I'll keep quoting from the report. Um, the report says a list of sites include the ASX website, the most popular of these terms, trading platform websites, social media sites such as Facebook and YouTube, as well as investment forums. So they're all we're talking about in here. On average, investors use 7.2 sources of information for general information and 6.0 for specific decision making. Among diligence, these figures rise to 9.3 and 9.9 respectively. Now that's alarming to me because then that's over information. To me, if you, if people are really surprised at the amount of information that I take in to make investment decisions and it's nowhere near that many because to me less is more. Find a couple of really good quality places to get your information from and that's it. The more you get, the more confusion that has, the harder your job is, the more conflicted you get, the more doubt you get, the more um, uh, in terms of hesitant or uh, over analysis that you get. Uh, there's a whole range of different things that happen when you get too much information. Less is more in this case from it for information. If you understand what you're doing, then you need less, completely less. Um, I'll keep reading. Investors learn from people they know and from expert commentators. Gaining information on investing was not just a matter of reading websites, however, investors also learn from other investors. The survey asked when you want advice about investments, whose advice do you find useful? The figure 32, wherever it is, um, summarizes the response. The most commonly cited sources for the total sample was friends, family, and colleagues, 38%. That's an amazing figure that 38% of people get advice from friends and family and colleagues. Interesting. So people that aren't qualified to give you the advice, who may or may not be experienced to give you advice, is where nearly 40% of people are getting their advice from. Direct investors may listen to expert commentators in the media, 32%. Um, this was highest among the confidence segment. So people who are confident in, in going into investment, that's 57% of those people listen to expert commentators in the media. And expert commentators in the media, and, and as a lot of people know that I do that quite regularly myself, and, and to me, again, that's one of those places that I generally wouldn't get too much advice from because even experts get it wrong. Um, and there's also context in that too. What context are they talking about? Is it today? Is it six months? Is it 12 months? So there's lots of fraught with dangers and a lot of experts and 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 you would have heard me on some podcasts more recently talking about you know research shows that a lot of experts only get it right 50 percent of the time anyway um, and to me you find a good expert if you find a good expert then and they're right quite regularly then stay with that um, but always check experts you know in terms of just watch their recommendations or what what they're saying for a period of time see how accurate they are and if they're accurate quite regularly then listen to that if not and but always 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 make sure you understand what's going on always make sure you understand why you're investing um, always understand why you're getting in and also have a plan how to get out in case it doesn't do what you expect it to do um, i'll leave or wrap this whole podcast up here hopefully this information's been great um, or enlightening to you about you know what people actually do because I'm sure that most people that would read this report in the comfort of their own home and as they go to the website theasics.com.au download this um, shareholder survey 
because it would be surprising what you see because you'll actually see some of the things that you probably do in there and and interesting thing is when you look at things in a cold hard light of day and take a step back and look at how things work you actually realize how ineffective your systems are or how you go about things Um, and at the end of the day it's your money so take responsibility for it so you've been listening to Talking Wealth I'm Dale Gillan the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within take care and I'll talk to you next time bye thanks for listening to this week's podcast for more information products and services and detailed show notes with a transcript for this podcast head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the news and media tab in the navigation